Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Here's your host, Demetrius Marlboro. On this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have Practice Director Christoph Bertrand on, and he covers data protection, data management, and analytics for the Enterprise Strategy Group. And he also has over 30 years of experience in services, software, and high-end storage systems, as well as a passion for the product marketing discipline, product strategy, messaging, and positioning. So welcome to the gumbo. Christoph, how are you today? I'm great. Glad to be here. Give us or give the Gumbo listeners a a rundown of what the Enterprise Strategy Group is first off, and then uh, also maybe a little more detail about your current role. Sure. So you probably know the name Enterprise Strategy Group, ESG, company that's been around for over 20 years, uh, founded by Steve Duplessis. And a couple of years ago, we were acquired uh, by Tech Target, so we're part of a broader family now. Very nice complementary set of practices, if you will. Uh, and what we do at the Enterprise Strategy Group is essentially we're what you would call industry analysts, although uh, we're a bit special in that we don't necessarily provide with uh, these sort of competitive uh, uh, evaluations of multiple vendors. Uh, we tend to be more focused on research uh, and partnering with vendors, helping them developing content, helping them with our strategy. Uh, the, you mentioned messaging. That's definitely an area we look at, product strategy, supporting them in product announcements and giving feedback overall. So it's um, a pretty broad spectrum, if you will, from that standpoint uh, of, uh, of skill sets you bring to the table. Uh, but it's also great because you get to talk to everybody in the industry. Uh, and what I do in my practice is I sort of follow the data. Originally came from the data protection slash storage background, but uh, we've expanded uh, this practice into governance, uh, compliance, a big, big topic as well. And then uh, business intelligence, analytics, uh, anything that has to do with how you can reuse data in a way that supports the business. And in many cases, data is the business. So we're seeing a lot of changes in the market where traditional players, whether on the storage side or data protection side, are becoming more and more involved in what I call intelligent data management and the ability to serve that data for other purposes. Plenty going on, pretty dynamic market, actually. All right. Thank you for that that quick rundown. And let's talk a little bit about SaaS data protection and you know some of the things that that you've been working on and, and what you have seen let's let's recap first of 2022 um, just overall just from a from a year a year perspective uh, was there anything that stood out with you just around SAS data protection that you would like to to mention here on the gumbo yeah so we we actually ran research we've been looking at the SAS data protection space uh for 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 a while and what i mean by SAS data protection i mean protecting uh SAS workloads so think of your favorite collaboration tool you know 365 or google workspace or crms like salesforce uh, microsoft dynamics uh, zendesk you name it right now we can't cover everyone but we looked at it very closely 
uh, last year, and uh, it's not the first time. Uh, so I have some historical perspective on this. And uh, originally, you know, what got my attention when we first ran research on the topic is clearly appeared that people were not connecting the dots, meaning that for some reason, people thought that because they have a SaaS workload, so maybe they're using Salesforce, for example, the, the magic backup people are going to show up and take care of it. Well, there are no magic backup people, all right? Everybody on this podcast knows that because you are the magic people. And if you're not protecting the SaaS workloads, guess who is? And the answer is probably no one. And the problem is that uh, there is a disconnect. And, uh, and it's a complex conversation in a sense because how do you tell people who think they have a backup that they don't? And that's really what's going on. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it's what I call the, the SaaS backup disconnect, and it persists through the years. Uh, in 2019, 37% uh, were saying that they uh, solely rely on their SaaS vendor uh, in terms of, of you know, data protection, when, when, of course, that's the wrong answer. The SaaS vendor is going to do what they can to protect their own service, which is fair, and, and it's great, and many of them do a great job. And have failover zones and all of that good stuff and, and ways to protect themselves, but in not doing your backups, you're always responsible for your data. So 2019, fast forward, 2021, that number is 35%, and then 2022, 33%. So it's going down a little bit, but that's still one in three who think that there's some sort of backup happening uh, for the SaaS workloads when that's really not happening at all. Now, the other uh, interesting thing is, uh, the big excuse or the big nebulous conversation is around that shared uh, responsibility model. Some people call it pretty clearly. Some vendors are very clear about it, but people say, oh, yeah, we, we, we think we're partially responsible. It's a shared responsibility. The problem is when you say that, do you really know what you're talking about? Uh, and I'm really asking people not in the, uh, as an accusation. I'm just saying, do you really understand the contractual terms of the SLA, of what they're doing for you, what you're doing for yourself? And what you should be doing. And that's about 50, 45% of most people say, yeah, I, I get it. It's a shared responsibility. But I think that's very nebulous. And then about 22% this year, which is higher than before, which is good, are saying, no, no, we are solely responsible. Our data, our responsibility. And that's the right answer, by the way. That's the best answer you can provide. You can see there's a big disconnect. And look, this wouldn't be, this wouldn't be an issue if the SaaS workloads in question were not mission critical. And the truth is they are. Are there any any SaaS workloads that you saw companies or startups starting to protect more than others in 2022? Like, for instance, Salesforce or Microsoft 365? Yes, correct. So I would say 365 is probably the, where you have the most uh, players. And historically, you know, there were just you know, a couple and then everybody's kind of doing it now. I mean, I think it's hard to find a, a backup player uh, uh, that's not protecting or providing a solution for 365. Your mileage may vary, scale may vary, so you have to look at how it's done. I can just talk in general terms. The, the next one is Salesforce, you're correct. That's been, it's probably the next one on the list uh, that people are doing, paying a lot more attention to and that the market is providing solutions for. Now, uh, we, we can shift into security uh, if you if you like, because you know ransomware is also a thing that um, continues to kind of wreak havoc on workloads and also environments overall, and backup is a critical piece to that. You know, whether it's SaaS or whether it's IaaS, infrastructure as a service or platform as a service, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Ransomware is ransomware, and regardless of where the, where the workloads are, you know, they're still susceptible. Would you say so or, or not? 
you're, you're correct. I mean, there are so many ways to be sort of cyber exposed, right? And I will say that, uh, you know, based on our research, the one area surprisingly or not surprisingly that that actually is uh, not doing very well is this, the, the dimension of recoverability. Our research showed that, uh, and we did a state of the market of ransomware. We're going to run that research again this year, uh, 2023. So we'll have a, a good historical data point here to look at. But essentially, if you look at the multiple dimensions, people are doing okay in some areas, uh, prevention and uh, maybe even response. But at the same time for recoverability, even the best of the best based on our scoring mechanism are not doing that well. Uh, and that's because, you know, it's complicated. To your point, there are multiple types of workloads. SaaS workloads are included many ways to be affected by a cyber event. It's a pretty amorphous type of threat when you think about it, right? It could be people stealing your credentials, could be people trying to encrypt your data because they got access to it or extorting you in, in the process of exfiltration of the data. So, so many things could happen. So I think the net net is um, if you connect the dots, uh, 2022 has been a very important year for that. Ransomware, backup recovery. My view is this: disaster recovery is dead. Now we're talking about cyber recovery. It's 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 a notch up. If you can do cyber recovery, you can probably handle most disasters. It's a logical disaster, uh, as we've seen, you know, happen many times. Uh, but it's one that's uh, very different because of the nature of the threat and the motivation of the threat. Uh, it's not just a storm that you can see coming. It can happen at any time and and they get smarter when they attack you. So I think we're really in the era of cyber resiliency now. Yeah, yeah. I, I did an episode, I think it was with Phil Goodwin. I'm sure you know Phil. And it was around the difference between cyber resiliency and disaster recovery, that they're totally different things. And um, it, it was just really clear because there's an old paradigm of thinking which to me would be disaster recovery and having, you know, multiple pieces of in infrastructure set up in different, you know, data centers and a duplicate copy of everything in your, in your data center, et cetera. And nowadays we have to be a lot smarter with the way things are set up and, you know, having different, you know, availability zones or, you know, just a smarter way and a more intelligent way, as you mentioned, of going about making sure your systems are resilient. Now that we're in 2023, and you mentioned intelligent data management or something to that effect, what, what do you think will be the number one thing driving SaaS data protection in 2023? Well, I think it's going to be, uh, again, go back to what these SaaS applications are about. They're about the business, right? I mean, I'm going to go back to, you know, I'm a simple guy and follow the money, right? Follow the data, follow the business. So there are many ways to lose your data. That's the first point, your SaaS data included. The top one is a service outage. That's what people told us. Uh, deletion uh, of data, uh, typically from a cyber attack. That's number two. That's the number two reason to sort of connect the dots with what you were just talking about. Uh, accidental deletion, account closure, you know, people are not understanding the SaaS vendor will not keep that data forever. So I think there are lots of ways to lose your data. And uh, if I think about what the biggest thing is going to be for 2023 is people realizing that these are mission critical applications and they actually need a backup. I think that's the first thing. And I expect vendors to be more aggressive with their education of the market. I think for 365, for Salesforce, uh, people are getting there, Google as well. But there are other 
you know, environments like Zendesk, for example, in some cases, that's kind of how you run your business, depending on the nature of business, or it's a big part of your business. Uh, ServiceNow, you know, Workday, right? I mean, the, the, the list is, I'm not going to say endless, but uh, you probably have dozens of SaaS workloads out there that are actually supporting the business. So I think connecting the dots, and then how do you do that? Well, good old SLAs, RPO and RTO. Let's talk about that. That's really what matters, right? So where are you on those topics when you look at your SaaS workloads? And what can you deliver? And what is your business expecting you to deliver? Because you know what? If you're on running your call center on Salesforce and it goes, it becomes unavailable or you start having issues with it for whatever reason, what is the, the process here? What do you do? So that's really what it's about, in my view. It's about going back to good old SLAs and following the business. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge gumbo listeners, we have some more ingredients to share with you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Are your cloud native environments a black hole to investigate? SpiderBat's SaaS platform is like a DVR moving at the speed of light, using kernel level eBPF data to trace step by step every activity within and across your containerized environments. Instantly detect and dissect problematic traces, teleporting you to the exact microsecond and revealing every activity that led to the event across systems, containers, users, and sessions. Automatically learn your workload's behaviors, creating developer guardrails that continuously compare running applications to prior versions and detect application drift with the insights needed to immediately get your application back on track. And eradicate trackers with surgical blocking actions that eliminate threats early and thoroughly. Join the growing Spiderback community by starting your free tier today at spiderbat.com s-p-y-d-e-r-b-a-t.com and to christoph we're back and for the rest of this episode let's get into the protection of containers like docker and kubernetes also are you hearing or seeing anything just around like microservices and containers and you know maybe protecting workloads like kubernetes or, or docker is that something that that you think will will may also be a trend in 2023? Yeah, it's big time. So that's a very good question. So anything that's cloud related, and of course containers, uh, even if it's hybrid and deployment, very natural uh, connection there. So SaaS data protection, protecting Kubernetes environments, container environments. We did research about a year ago, year and a half ago. And what we saw is that, uh, again, there's a disconnect there. People are not quite understanding how to protect those environments, very much like what you had 10, 15 years ago with VMs. Uh, same thing is happening here, although it's accelerated significantly. You've had some M&A work, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, activity with some startups that were providing solutions that were acquired by larger companies. So I think there's a lot of investment going into this, but people are a little bit ahead of their skis. Uh, they may not be protecting the environments, uh, their environments as quickly or as well as they can. Uh, I think it's, again, an education effort, uh, but many of these microservices or applications or interconnected systems, they are mission critical. So I go back to my original statement, which is follow the business, follow the money, follow the data, and what type of SLAs do you need uh, to achieve? Because it's great to talk about objectives, but just like for SaaS, in the context of Kubernetes, what are the actuals that you can deliver should something blow up? So th this is... This is pretty important to uh, to consider. And I think, again, plea of work, work ahead and specialized backup solutions or really well-architected backup and recovery solutions specifically for those environments are needed. 
Yeah, and I'm starting to see data sovereignty already uh, kind of being a, a topic that, that I'm reading about a lot now just over the last couple of weeks, and it's, it's probably going to play a, a larger role um, just from a compliance and regulations perspective and making sure that uh, data is where it's supposed to be and it's not crossing crossing the line over into like a, a, another, you know, nation state or another country per se. So I think that those will, will be things that will also be key in 2023 to make sure that, you know, when you're talking, backing up these different data sets and you're, you're trying to be resilient, making sure that you're keeping that data, you know, where it's supposed to be. Um, so are, are you also seeing something around just data sovereignty or just from a compliance and regulation perspective? What are you seeing for 2023? Yeah, no, big, big time. So it's an adjacent conversation. It's, it connects with intelligent data management and it connects with cybersecurity as well, uh, cyber resilience. Uh, because what we know from our research, and not surprisingly, uh, cyber criminals go after PII or personal data or, you know, sort of you know, data that's, that's exposed to governance and compliance, so regulated data, essentially. So that's kind of a prize. So of course you want to protect those environments. So when you talk about data governance or data compliance or compliance, there's always going to be a cyber dimension to it and there's always going to be a data protection dimension to it. Number two is, well, hang on, I want to reuse my data, but you can just go say I'm going to reuse just any data set because again, compliance is kind of potentially in the way. You need to be able to anonymize that data so that it can be used by others to do whatever they need to do, you know, in, in DevOps or you know, whatever people are doing with the data for other purposes. But they mean not everybody needs to be to have access to your personal data or data that's regulated. So there are uh, we've seen that. So I think there's a lot more focus now from executives on governance and compliance, a lot more integration with other tools. It's a great opportunity uh, to get into that next level of data reuse. I don't think you can reuse data unless you're compliant. So it's kind of a first stop, if you will. Uh, and I see a lot more happening around data classification, indexing, and again, understanding the context and the content. And once you, you, you can understand that, manage it, make it so that it's compliant, then you can more easily reuse it. And remember, who's really best at moving a lot of data around? Well, uh, the backup and recovery and storage folks, right? So, so that's, that's why I think we're going to see more integration of those markets over time. But big topic, that's not going away. Uh, compliance is not going away. Cybercrime is not going away. All of these are starting to merge. Yeah, it's it's something I'm seeing also. And I, I, I don't think we can have this conversation if we're talking SaaS data protection. And, and I don't think we can have a conversation without mentioning APIs. You know, I, I want to get your take on, you know, how critical, how important are like managing APIs and just what role does, does APIs play in, in this space for you? Different vendors uh, of SaaS applications have different APIs. I think therein lies the complexity for the backup and recovery vendors. How many API sets or how many integrations can you actually support? Which ones do you support first? Uh, I mean, if if you think about the dozens of applications there are, there are, let's say there are maybe five or six mission critical ones, which ones do you start with? How much do you invest? Especially in the context of a lot of end users not even understanding they need to back up. So it gets pretty complex, right? There are other angles to this, depending on the SaaS vendor and the infrastructure they use. There may be ways to actually somehow protect the individual accounts data by being in the infrastructure. So totally different play but something that I expect some vendors to, to leverage as well. 
Um, so, you know, uh, definitely the API, uh, it would be great if there were some level of universal, you know, agreement on, on what those APIs should be. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Uh, it took forever for storage and that didn't go, even that didn't go that far when you think about it. Still have pretty proprietary environments today. So I believe it's going to be a, a, the biggest challenge for vendors to figure out, okay, how do I maintain the same level of feature set more or less in terms of data protection? So essentially meeting in set A's when I have to deal with such a variety of workloads in SaaS environments that are all working differently. Now, at the end of the day though, most of these environments are, and I don't want to oversimplify, but they're kind of a big database, right? There's always, and, and, right, with multiple repositories. So it's not like, you know, we don't know what that looks like. I think it's just hard to expose uh, externally through APIs. So it has been, data protection has been an afterthought. It's the way I look at it uh, in many cases for SaaS vendors. Not that job, I get it. But at the same time, now people are using these these environments in mission critical fashion, in a mission critical fashion, and they need the backups, and therefore they need reliable APIs. You mentioned Oracle earlier. Um, I mean, great example of how you know they started without necessarily having the APIs, and then created Rman many years ago, and that really solved a lot of issues. I guess maybe one final question here is: Is, is there any particular SaaS application? that you think will maybe become prevalent, that the backup industry will say, you know what, we need to create a solution to backup GitHub or whatever, right? I think there's a solution out there for it, but I'm starting to see more niche players starting to pop up now to say, hey, we protect, we're the only ones that protect this SaaS application and then others start jumping on it. Are you, you, you seeing anything like that or maybe have one that you, you wish someone was protecting? Yeah, so, so I think you're right. You've, GitHub is an interesting one. There are other ones, um, you know, in terms of you know, for the developer world, I think there's a lot to do there. Let's look at history, right? Products that may be specialized uh, for specific workload, and I believe that's exactly the way it's going to pan out. We're going to see a lot of companies starting up protecting specific environments, but products become features, and you know, uh, MNAs happen. So I could see how in time there will be some consolidation. A couple of startups start protecting an environment. There's enough business, bigger guy buys them, integrates them in their broader solution. Uh, so we've seen that happen many times. I think the biggest question for end users is this. Are you looking for the best tool for the job or are you looking for a unified sort of solution? And it's always going to be that struggle. And very likely we're going to see that play out in the SaaS data protection space in 2023 and in the next couple of years. I expect the biggest, the big vendors in data protection, backup and data protection will be investing massively. And if they're not, uh, I pretty much guarantee that they will be making a mistake. Um, this is, we know, and, and that's because, again, our research shows that when people think about developing an, or implementing a new solution, they're going to first look at cloud and whether anything's available like a SaaS solution. And, and that's kind of what they favor anyway. So there's a lot of business there. Uh, so I expect we're going to see a, a sort of a, a bit of an arms race in the next two to three years as the market gets more educated and people realize they really need to protect their SaaS workloads. Awesome. Awesome. And 
one final question. I keep saying one final question, but I'm I'm curious what what's on your nightstand? What what are you reading these days? Actually, on my nightstand, it's 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 an iPad. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm interested in uh, catching up on, you know, not surprisingly, technology news. Uh, that's uh, definitely something of interest. And then other than that, I tend to be more focused on enjoying some of the amazing content that's available on all of these uh, streaming platforms. And, and that also is something that allows me to um, uh, reconnect uh, with the French culture. You know, certainly uh, watching a lot of French stuff and also uh, trying to keep my Spanish up to date and watching a lot of great shows. And it's just beautiful, all of these shows now. So... I guess uh, I should be reading more, but I'm I'm really truly enjoying the the amazing quality of uh, of, of entertainment you can find now on on the many uh, streaming platforms. It's kind of what I do. Awesome. So, uh, Twitter or Mastodon? Which one? None, none. I'm none? The above. I've okay. I've, I've resisted. Tw- I mean, I'm I have a handle on Twitter, which mostly was created as part of you know my professional activity, but no interest in Twitter. Um, uh, I love LinkedIn. That's the extent mm. of my social media mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dimensions, if you're real. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I'm not going to vote on that, and it's not quite my thing. Okay. Well, awesome. It's uh, truly been a pleasure having you on and getting some insight from you on some of these industry trends just from a SaaS data protection perspective. And I'm sure the, the gumbo listeners will walk away a, a little bit or maybe a lot smarter than they were before they actually click the play button on this episode. So, Christoph, I appreciate you being on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you for having me, and uh, good luck with your SaaS data protection, everyone. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professional LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn, and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, Have a fantastic week.